Good morning and welcome in once again to the Ducks Rising podcast. I'm Doug Scott, here as always, joined by Andrew, QB11. What a game, huh? Yeah, crazy heart attack-filled, like anxiety-filled game. I, in the process, I hated the game. At, after the end, now that I can get to go back and watch it and enjoy it, knowing that we're going to win, uh, it's a far more enjoyable experience. I don't know what you're talking about, Andrew, because I, I think if you go back to our preview pod, that game played out exactly as we predicted it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, basically everything was right except for the fact that Oregon decided to just not score in the red zone for an entire half. Yeah, yeah, let, we'll get to that for sure um, in this in this conversation, and I, I'm looking forward to the whole conversation for sure. But obviously Oregon comes away with a 44 to 41 victory up in the Palouse. Um, 29 fourth quarter points for the Ducks to pull out the the win. Oregon had 625 yards of offense, um, 179 on the ground and 446 through the air. The Cougars had 416 offense, all almost all of it through the air, 375 yards for Ward. Um you know, just got to talk high level, like uh, we'll get into the, the sequences and all the stuff you talked about, just like high level takeaways. Let's start there. Yeah, uh, the offense is really, really good. And I think that um, despite maybe some issues in the red zone in the first half, the offensive line responded really, really well to a pretty dynamic group of, of defensive linemen in, in both scheme and um, overall team speed in the front seven for Washington State. I think that we we did a really good job. We really didn't give up a lot of pressure throughout the game. Uh, offensively, we moved the ball between the tens with absolutely no struggle at all the entire game. Um, just I think we had the one three and out in the third quarter, but other than that, the offense was cooking. And then defensively, we gotta we have to get to the point where we can finish on the quarterback when we get into the backfield because. At current, we're allowing far too many big plays on on basically breakdowns after we have a free shot at the quarterback and we whiff. Um, and so moving forward, I think that's important uh, as well as identifying uh, kind of who's going to be who's going to be the reliable pass rusher um, as we get deeper into the schedule. Yeah, I thought obviously the offense is the story of this game. Like, you know, 625 yards. They averaged over eight yards per play in totality, almost 10 yards per pass attempt. Um, you know, we'll get into the specifics. Nick's and that offense were, were really humming. And like you said, outside of like those, they had, uh, you know, four trips inside the 10. I think one of them was, done, but let's just say 11 yards and in in the, you know, their first four possessions in the first half and they only got nine points out of it and of course a pick six the other way so they they netted a plus two points out of four trips to the to the 10 yard line or or better and that's just you're not going to win very many football games doing that and and thankfully you know they ended up being able to pull this one off anyway but i thought just overall the offensive dominance um you know this offense is i think by some advanced statistical measures it's top 10 in the country and i believe it i i, I mean they're and they're so as we've been talking about like in our preview pod it's just so versatile. The attack is so versatile. They can run, they can pass, they can go inside, they can go outside, they can go short, they can go long. And when they're not shooting themselves in the foot, either, you know, by throwing a terrible interception or, you know, going kind of wonky in the red zone, they're just, they're, they've just been really, really freaking good. Uh, on the defensive side, tackling, 
right? I mean, just so many missed tackles again. It was kind of like, you know, felt like we'd made some progress in that area last week against BYU. And then, you know, you saw a lot of missed tackles uh, again in this one. So I think that was was something to be to be seen. One other note I will say that was a major observation for me sitting in, in the stands in that game was I thought the second half adjustments on both sides of the ball really were were impressive. Um, you know, I think we went into the halftime, we came out, and when we got our red zone, uh, you know, opportunities in the second half, we we were we went to a completely different game plan, right? In the first half, it seemed like our red zone game plan was to bunch everything up tight, but go wide, go at their edges, whether that was in the run game or the short screens or whatnot that we were trying to do against our edges, and it was there was nothing there. In the second half, when we got into the red zone, it looked like we played it, you know, maybe a little bit more more traditionally you know, that we had seen in previous weeks. And I thought defensively, the adjustments I saw, I think they flipped the corners uh, to kind of attack some of that or, you know, tamp down some of that screen game. And and that really was effective. I thought their screen game wasn't nearly as effective in the second half as it seemed to be in the first. Um, they still obviously, you know, made some plays in the second half on us. And, and a lot of that was missed tackling. It felt like there was a lot of opportunities where we had them, you know, we had them stopped and then, you know, someone broke some tackles and got our first down or we had some really, really unfortunate penalties in the second half that kept uh, Washington State drives alive, particularly that that last drive of theirs to go up 12 and seemingly seal the win for the Cougars. Uh, so, so I was impressed, though, by those those adjustments. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. I think specifically uh, play calling in the red zone improved drastically in the second half. Uh, I think we we settled in defensively for the most part. Uh, we were creating more pressure in the second half. We still struggled to finish at times. I mean, frankly, like Washington State scored 41 points. Well, I guess they uh, thir- 34 of those were offensive, um, and it was just the Cam Ward show. It was Cam Ward was the entire offense, and he hadn't played particularly well going through his progressions um, to this point. And honestly, I don't know that it really improved. I haven't watched the film yet. I don't know that that's what improved. I think it was just his ability to escape pressure um, and make things happen with his legs. There was like kind of a throwback to the 2014 Michigan State game where like Marcus Mariota escaped to the left is stumbling and and just kind of flips it out to the back, like almost an exact like reincarnation of that play in late in the game. Um, just a bunch of stuff like that. They they got a, a free touchdown on the on the fake check with me where they looked to the sideline. Uh, but they uh, and and our guys looked to the sideline to get our kind of adjustment to the play after we had revealed the pressure we were going to be running, and then they just quick snapped it on us, and we weren't ready for the play. So, like kudos to them, they schemed themselves free seven points there. Uh, the little fake shovel pass um, that they they pulled out in the second half, like between the plays that that Ward was making with his legs, um, and some of the like just kind of emptying of the proverbial like they just threw the fridge at us they they emptied it out and just dumped everything that they had in their playbook from trick play standpoint to a i mean was their first big their first play of the game for them offensively was a flea flicker um so they they just really they wanted this game and they wanted it at home and it was a big opportunity for them to make a splash and start off one and own conference play and be and become a ranked team and uh Oregon despite the fact that Penalties were abhorrent at times, um, both by Pac-12 officials and just stupid things by Oregon players. 
uh, and the fact that we shot ourselves in the foot and really at points in this game tried to snatch defeat from the Jaws victory, uh, we found a way to to overcome and to execute when it was important down the stretch and make the plays necessary to win. And so ultimately, if you're an Oregon fan, you have to be really pleased with, with the outcome, right? Like you got to win on the road in a, in a place that's been a traditionally really tough place to play um, despite the fact that you weren't particularly sharp like you were pretty sloppy yeah I, I i turned to the people that were around me at the game you know at, you know at some point in third fourth quarter and just said like man washington state has thrown every trick in the book at us they like you said they've emptied the bag uh, you know it felt like there was 10 you know I, you know trick plays or gadget plays or just you know things where they were just like trying to you know, just steal a free play kind of thing. And it's like, wow, they, like you said, they really wanted that game. And, and, uh, you know, they had no, they had no running game. I mean, let's talk about the Oregon run defense again. I, I think that that run defense has been really strong all season. We saw it last week against BYU. And I mean, they're, they're running Watson. He had 12 carries for 36 yards. Uh, you know, Cam Ward, obviously the sack stats are in here. So uh, take out those, but he, you know, he, we kept him pretty well bottled up in the ground game. He had a couple of scrambles, um, but overall, he, he, you know, we didn't really, didn't really let him beat us with his legs either. I, it's like the running game, the running defense is just, is just really humming right now. Yeah. I mean, especially when you consider that structurally, we were really playing the run with four or maybe five guys, depending on the rep. Um, and, and in case, some cases three, like we are, are, interior defensive line was absolutely dominant in this game we we owned the interior from from c gap to c gap it was all oregon um they we they got the edge once or twice but for the most part we played really really well in the box um which we kind of expected like going back to the things that we, like the things that we got right we expected to be able to move the ball we knew that their their team speed was going to be a problem in condensed field position situations um and we we knew that their offensive line wasn't particularly good so we like I think Oregon's defense acquitted themselves in a lot of areas the way that they they should have, um, but I think it's some of the more finer technical points. I don't even know if it's as much technical points as penalty issues, where or Oregon converted just as many first downs for Washington State in the second half as their own offense. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, uh, and then conversely, you know, the, the Oregon running attack was was humming. Uh, as well 179 yards rushing uh, a pretty balanced attack bucky had 11 11 for 81 noah came in 11 for 69 and then nick's nick's got 30 of his own on the ground jordan james had a couple of goal line carries and and one touchdown there so um you know again the offensive line just making hold and i think if the you know we we really had to go away from the game the the run game in the fourth quarter or those numbers we probably push over 200 yards uh, you know pretty easily um I thought you know the offensive line was just was just dominating, and they they still have not given up a sack. So uh, I think Oregon is the only FBS team in the country who hasn't given up a sack yet this year. Uh, I have to give a huge shout out to the Oregon offensive line. I thought they they really dominated the game both in in the running game and and the pass game. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. There were times where we struggled with uh, some of their speed, but again, that was typically in condensed field position situations where. There's no vertical stretch to the field, right? Everything's just sideline to sideline. So they got a bunch of bodies up around the line of scrimmage. Like the very first uh, quarterback sneak we ran in, on our first red zone drive, we got stuffed pretty good. But the adjustment was in the second half when we went back to it. 
we Bo Nix attacked attacked the edge, let their own over their own over penetration work against them. So, um, yeah, I I a hundred percent agree in regards to the offense, and I think through four games now we've seen Oregon prove that they can win in a bunch of different ways, whether it was against Eastern Washington using quick perimeter screen plays, getting the ball out quick to the outside and letting guys get yards after catch, uh, whether it's the just complete bludgeoning of BYU that we had two uh, two weeks ago, or whether it was yesterday, where like we were extremely balanced when the game uh, when when we were when we could be just in the st- in game state situations. Uh, but as the game went on, we got put in a position where we had to go win the ball, win the game by throwing the ball vertically, and we were unbelievably effective. And our receivers really took advantage of some situations. Uh, the Chris Hutchin- Hudson catch downfield was. I mean that's an extremely different difficult catch. That that ball was coming. That was a lollipop coming out of the sky, and and he tracked it and made a really good adjustment on the ball. Um, obviously Thornton had a big catch in the first half. Uh, Franklin had two, including the game winner down the, at the end. So uh, the receiving room just really stepped up and played well. And even Bucky on fourth and two, on a really ballsy throw by uh, Bo Nix, comes through and makes a tremendous catch. Uh, to convert and keep that game alive for us. So all of our playmakers stepped up in, in, in big situations. I was really pleased with the way that Bo Nix ran the ball. Um, just situationally, when he decided to do it, the conversions and uh, the fact that he wasn't taking hits in the process. And then lastly, uh, something we talked about in, in the preview that happened was like the RPO came back, and it wasn't um, it wasn't super prolific like we might have like I predicted but it was something that in a really key situation in the red zone late in the game we hit Troy Franklin on a on a quick uh on a quick slant down getting us down to the one or two yard line that we converted into a touchdown so um just and that was I, a hell of a catch I mean that that was not an easy catch to make I was I, I thought there was no way that catch was going to be converted when it when that ball was thrown that was right in front of me too yeah, that that was a great throw too. I mean, there was just not there wasn't room for error for either guy, and they made it happen. That was good coverage, um, and there was a couple throws and catches like that throughout the game. Uh, Chase Cota was really productive. He had a bunch of catches, more more in possession possessional situations, um, and then like really lastly, kind of for the offense, the 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 run game from week to week has been very. Um, diverse like we were actually more of a running team again this week when we've been primarily running gap schemes for the last three weeks of the season so through four weeks we've just shown so much we've shown an ability to win in a lot of ways um and and for the most part we've protected the ball pretty well that bow bow's pick six i'm sure is one he'd like to have back i it's funny we ran the same play twice i think bow made this the wrong read twice uh, we weren't punished on it the first time because Sean Dollars made a heck of a catch and did a good job to keep his balance and convert the fourth down. Um, but I, I think that the read there is to go to the stick, which was Troy Franklin just inside. I think we probably scored a touchdown on that last play if if he does that. So I'm sure that's one that Nick's would like to have back. But when you consider that he was 33 of 44 for for 446 yards, or sorry, 428 yards and three touchdowns, um, that's that's a really really strong performance that that puts us in a position to really do whatever we need on any given week. 
Yeah, I mean, you'll take that performance on the road every time. Uh, obviously, you don't want the pick six, but still, three three to one interception, uh, touchdown interception ratio with 428 yards, 75% completion percentage. You're going to win most of your games with that kind of stat line. Uh, again, we spread the ball around. 11, 11 players caught a pass. Um, you know, you mentioned Coda. He had he had seven catches for eighty four yards. Obviously, Troy's the big story. Five, one thirty seven, and the and the game winning touchdown it was great to see Dante get that long one. We had nine passes over twenty yards in this game, um, which you know, for those looking for an explosive passing game, I mean, we definitely saw it. You know, but honestly, too, this is the first game where the defense has has shown has given that look right. I mean, they Washington State was selling out to stop our running game, um, and they were playing. You know, a single high safety a lot of the game, and that's and the the opportunities were there for that long passing game. Whereas you'd seen the previous opponents just kind of sitting back, sitting back, you know, playing that too deep, and not really leaving those those spots open. So I think as the year goes on, it'll be interesting to see the teams that have to sell out to stop our run game. We're going to be able to make them pay in the passing game, and I think this game was an indication of that. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a pick your poison issue now because Washington State. Like they did what we kind of we anticipated they would. They played the one high safety look. They added that extra defender into the box that they could have a, a have better numbers against our in the run game, and we were able to go out and make them pay to the tune of 624 yards of offense, primarily throwing the ball vertically. And so now, if you're Stanford and you've seen Oregon do that, you saw Bo Nix not only do it but do it on the road, which we talked about again in the preview last week is like. He the splits for Bo Nix on the home and road have been very very different throughout his career, and here Nix is throwing for the most yards he's ever thrown for in a game in his career on the in his first true road game at Oregon. Um, and so I think I think that's kind of another data point suggesting that maybe it's not good Bo bad Bo and Auburn Bo Oregon Bo. Um, just he just keeps playing well, and again like quarterbacks are going to make some mistakes. Um, especially when you're throwing downfield with the frequency that we were last week, I can live with an interception. I'm, I'm, I would prefer it not to be a pick six when we're in their red zone, um, but he's not going to go the entire season without throwing them. And for him to bounce back and have the performance that he had is, is really tremendous. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. I mean, we've touched on a little bit, but let's get a little deeper there. Uh, you know, one of the things I, you know, I, I thought, obviously the tackling and all the yards after contact was probably the biggest problem in this game. But, you know, I look back and Washington State had 41. Obviously, seven of those were on the offense. And then there was the other seven just kind of fluky, you know, garbage time score at the end. You know, if you you take those two out, it's 27 points surrendered. I don't think we lose a game in this conference if we give up 27 points. I mean, our offense is going to put up at least 28. So... You know, you'd like to see, obviously, there's a lot of things to improve still on defense. I think our defense has a long way to go. The Duck defense has a long way to go. But but in the end, I thought they bowed up. They, at times, they they got stops uh, various times throughout the game when they needed it. And none bigger than that three and out. You know, after the after we cut the, the score there to a three-point game, or sorry, to a four-point game late with the McCormick touchdown, you know, there wasn't a lot of time left. And the way that Washington State had been converting, you know, it was certainly easy to see a scenario where they they get a couple of first downs and the game's over. Thankfully, we had all our timeouts left. So we we didn't blow any timeouts in, like, the first play of the third quarter or something crazy like that. So if we had needed them and if they had picked up a first down, we still 
Oregon still could have potentially have gotten the ball back. But the defense really, that was probably their best possession of the game, I thought. I think Flo had a tackle for loss. Um, and we just really had the heat on on Cam Ward and and made that stop and, and got that quick three and out that really gave us the opportunity to go win the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think on that drive in particular, our pressure seemed to like we, we we had been creating pressure all game. Like there was there was no shortage of of pressures and um kind of forcing him out of the pocket or forcing him to retreat and, and throw the ball away. But that drive was where our, our pressure seemed to be very focused, and it seemed that we were actually in positions to convert into sacks. And that's that's the key because we're, we're really struggling to finish when we get home. And, again, like I understand we've played a lot of athletic quarterbacks this year. That's just how it goes. We're playing a bunch more of them still as we move forward in the schedule. So we, we just have to work on breaking down, shooting low, attacking the legs. Um, because when you walk at a really athletic quarterback like a zombie where you're all high and – got your arms out in front of you he's gonna he's gonna get away um and so whether it's linebackers rush ends interior defensive linemen we we have to attack attack these quarterbacks in the rush with better leverage we're we're doing a really good job of beating the tackle or the guard or the center we're doing a really bad job of converting that into negative plays and it's it's not fair to expect the back end to hold up for seven or eight seconds as a really athletic and, and creative quarterback is is scrambling all over the place. And one of the things I noticed in this game, particularly in the first half, was our defensive game plan, you know, we had a we had a clear we were platooning almost. We had depending on the down and distance and the personnel grouping that Washington State was running on the field, you know, we were substituting like four or five guys, you know, play to play to play and it seemed that that was causing the defense some confusion early in the game. Um, you know, we were struggling to get, because they were running tempo too early, and if we, were, we were struggling to get lined up at times in the first quarter particularly. And there were also times, like, again, being in the stadium, sometimes you can see stuff that isn't on the TV, right? And I was watching some of the defensive players, like, looking at each other, holding their hands up, like, seemingly asking, what's the call, what's the call? And, you know, maybe getting a position a little late. So I think I think the combination of, Running on, you know, running so many guys on and off, and and the tempo that the Cougars were using, I think, um, you know, caused a little bit of confusion there early. I, I do think you know, it certainly got better throughout the first half, and certainly in the second half. But that was something I noticed, and I think it's some of the, it's a symptom of what we've been talking about, right? Installing a whole new defense, a very diff, a very very different defensive scheme than these players have run, um, you know, previously. And I think that we're gonna hopefully continue to see the team get more comfortable and more knowledgeable and, and, you know, reacting more and thinking less on defense as the season wears on. Yeah, I agree. I, and again, like you talked about the 27 points and like when seven of them are on the fake check with me, it's like there, there was, there was a lot of stuff that was kind of ticky tack, but we need to be executing at a level where that stuff doesn't beat us. Like that's not, I am definitely not saying that Oregon is absolved of all guilt on plays like that. Like we need to be, better we need to be more prepared um but in tandem we really got to cut down on the defensive penalties because how many how many third downs did we convert for them on ridiculous penalties that were completely unnecessary like i know that people want to blame the refs for the for the brand endorless roughing the passer at the end it's more about the hands to the face than anything else he needs to be smarter about the way he attacks um in that situation because that that's a like I was that was a fourth down play, was it not? 
Um, I think it was third and long. It was third and long, and, and they long. would have been in, they would have been in either a very long field goal or you know or a potential go for it situation. Since they, it, I mean, it was like third and fourteen, third and fifteen. It was like really long, but it w- yeah, it would have left them in no man's land, right? It was like too short a field to punt, you know, too too long for a high percentage field goal, but also the distance was too far to you know, likely convert. So it was a very, very costly, uh, you know, penalty. They had four conversions, four first downs via penalty in the game. And I think, but at least two of them were on that drive. And that was a critical drive that seemingly won them the game. Right. I remember sitting there going like, we just got home to a field goal. We just got home to a field goal. Then we're down eight. We got a chance to, you know, go down and get a two, you know, score and two point to, you know, to tie. And, and then when they converted that to go up 12, I mean, that was, that was a crucial defensive possession, and we it, it felt so much like the Stanford game last year. It, you know, it, it just felt like, yeah, I mean, some of that was question. I mean, the targeting, I, I haven't seen it on replay, so I, I know in the stadium they showed a, a couple on the board. It seemed like it's one of those maybe letter of the law, but, like, he hit him in the chest. If it's not a quarterback, did they call that targeting? There was another play earlier in the game where the Washington State defend, you know, defender basically tackled our guy the exact same way. It wasn't called. You know, it's kind of one of those things. So whatever. But then you got the DJ Johnson, um, you know, personal foul for retaliating. You know, against. I mean, he was he was absolutely the other guy was in the wrong first. But it's what do they say? It's always the second guy who gets the flag, right? Um, the offensive lineman, you know, kind of gave him some business after the whistle and he reacted and he just can't do that. And then of course he gets the, the targeting, which was, was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, you know, the, the, the roughing the passer wasn't, is an easy call. And that was, we got the same call in that Stanford game last year. And for the same reason, hitting the guy in the helmet, it, it's, you can't do yeah, it. It's one of those things where like the better team won and, and, the team that deserved to win one because even statistically like to score 44 points with 624 yards of offense and a defensive score is not a very like that is not a super efficient performance in terms of converting yards to points that's it's actually very poor Uh, but we managed to win right and so again i think circling back to this like uh dan rubenstein on on the solid verbal always says it like win your clunkers you are not going to get 18 to 22 year olds to play to absolute peak performance every week. And there's going to be weeks where we do shoot ourselves in the foot and we do stumble trip all over ourselves um, from an execution standpoint or penalties, or we, we do make a mistake and throw a pick six. It's can you find, are you a good enough team to find a way to win a game like that on the road? And Oregon answered that, that call. Um, and, and I think it's a reality check after a pretty emotional win against BYU where everything kind of went right and was st- we stayed on script the entire game. Like we, Oregon is playing Oregon every week for the rest of the season. And so um, I think that was an important reality check and a very important lesson for the team. And the fact that they could learn that lesson without taking another loss um, is a real blessing. And I think it, it speaks to the quality of this team. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, obviously you don't want to go through a game like that where you where you don't maybe perform as well as you should. And you'd like certainly like to have a more comfortable victory, but you know, at the end of the day because you got the win, 
some of the lessons coming out of this game are going to are going to be beneficial, right? Um, as the season wears on, you've you've come through adversity. You've had a come from behind win where you're you know you're projected you know percentage to what are they that, that like you know that ESPN keeps that stat during a game, right? Like Your post game win expectancy. Yeah, win expectancy. I mean, it was probably under five percent. You know, maybe under two percent there toward the you know toward the end, and and you pulled it out anyway on the road in conference when you really had made a ton of mistakes on both sides of the ball throughout the game, like just that, that willingness to fight through willingness to stay together, willingness to keep grinding and believing in yourself and playing until the end and pulling out a victory like that, that's going to pay dividends for the team in the next nine games. And beyond. So on the fourth and two at the Washington state 49, we had a 98.8% loss probability. And yeah. then Bo Nix completed that pass, and it was like I, I was messaging you throughout this sequence. It was like we were down by two scores. We needed a touchdown. So like I was like the first third of that was getting that getting that first score, and then we needed the stop in a timely manner where we could maintain uh, our timeouts. And then that happened, and then the final third of that was the score again. But we scored so fast the on the last time that we they got the ball back, and then obviously we got the. Uh, pick six but that was a, that was a crazy like seven minutes of real in-game time um yeah so, yeah tell me about it i was sitting there in the stadium uh, although i will say that you know kudos to the to the duck fans that were all sitting there in the duck section with me because like nobody really left we all stayed loud on defense and and stayed to the the final horn and we were we were richly rewarded for it yeah, absolutely. No, I, it was it was big to have you guys there, and that's a tough environment to play. It's weird because it's such a small stadium in terms of capacity, but they they love playing us, and you can tell that that one was circled on on their schedule. Um, and I think that's going to be the case all year. I mean, we're you're at a point where you've kind of been top dog in the conference or co top dog in the conference for so long, where this is kind of every team Super Bowl. Um, and so you got to be, if you're Oregon, everyone's going to give you their best shot and you got to be ready to rock and roll, whether it's Stanford this coming weekend or, or Cal or Washington and Utah towards in Oregon state towards the end of the season, like all those teams want to ruin it for you. Um, and so you just gotta, you just gotta be on your toes. And I think the sooner that this team matures and realizes that, and I think it's a matter of kind of coaching them out of some of the quit that they had in them at the end of last year. Um, the higher the ceiling is for this team in 2022. Yeah, and I just want to shout out to that uh, Cougar fan base. I, I was really, really impressed by their fans. I mean, they're super knowledgeable. They're super dedicated. They're really hardcore. You know, everyone over there was was very nice to me. Um, you know, after the game, I walked back to the hotel, sat at the bar to get a drink, you know, surrounded by Cougars. Um, and the guy next to me, you know, we're chatting about the game a little bit, and he's like, you know what, though? The better team won. You guys deserved it. You you know you put up 600 yards. You deserve to win. And then uh, I think then we kind of said uh, one thing, and then simultaneously we both said, "Beat the Huskies." <laughs> and so we shook hands and went our separate ways with that. And then I probably heard that same thing from about 50 more Cougar fans. And and I you know said, "Yep, we agree. You beat them too. We'll beat them. We'll we'll be happy." It was kind of weird because in situations like the one we were in at halftime. In the past, especially last year, I would have been like, oh, we're going to lose this game. But just the way that the game was flowing, it was pretty clear that we were going to find a way to win. Um, and 
there were definitely times later that I doubted that. percent point in time, though. Yeah, yeah, no, there was a point. There was a point in the fourth quarter where I was like, holy crap, we're going to lose to these guys again. Um, but I'm just saying that, like, in terms of, like, the way that we were executing offensively and, and the compete in this team, and frankly, like, Bo, like, Bo has ice. Like, I, I was really impressed with him situationally. I mean, I still can't believe he threw that throw to Bucky. That was, like, fourth and two. He could have ran for it, and he's throwing Yeah, it. the middle opened up. You could see it from my seat. It was, like, and the guy next to me is yelling, run through that hole, run through that hole. <laughs> and yeah. Then the pass. Yeah, then he throws it to our running back that has a 0% catch rate so far this season. 17 yards downfield and double coverage. I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> we we could have just lost the game on that play because Bucky double clutched it. He almost didn't catch it. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't see it that well from my vantage point, so I'll take your word for it. I just remember we when it completed the, the we all we all were going nuts down there for sure. But I, yeah, I was, I'd say for me, play. I'd say for me, like I felt like Oregon was going to win the game the entire game up and up until they went up twelve. That was the 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 first time I'm like, oh, this is it. We 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 blew it. Yeah, well, I was just—I just had this feeling that I had at times last year, where it was just like, "Well, we screwed around for way too long, and now we're actually going to lose because we just absolutely played with our food, tripped all over ourselves, and didn't execute for like a, too much of a too much of a proportion of the game." And so, uh, I'm sure they're going to do a lot of red zone offense stuff this week and and tackling. Uh, but I tell you what, like watching, like I know this isn't our preview of next week but watching stanford it's like they they're so basic in everything that they do it's like you can play them so standard and i feel like that's going to be a nice change up for our our defense after the last couple of weeks we've had yeah for sure i don't i don't want to go too we'll talk about them a little bit when we recap their their game with washington but and our certainly our preview coming up later in this week but oof i'll just say oof um let's talk about red a little bit and then maybe we'll segue that into into other games uh, you know that first half 12 plays you know inside the 10 yard line and i don't think a single one of them was thrown in in fact i know none of them were thrown into the end zone there was a combination of outside runs outside screens a weird attempt to do a quarterback sneak from the two and a half yard line which I, it was just i was i was just flummoxed and i and i saw what you were messaging me I, it was just like i was going out of my mind like what were they thinking what was the plan yeah i uh i'm not really sure because it it seemed again i'm a spectator i am not nearly qualified enough to be an offensive coordinator at any level let alone division one college football um it just seemed kind of obvious to me as the field compressed that they were going to play really really aggressive coverage on the outside and stack bodies and, and i just don't I, I think we have good team speed but i just don't think we had have team speed that makes it easy for us to get the edge and condensed formations against them down in the tight areas and so yeah i i really i struggled to understand what we were we were trying to do there it seemed to me that the most success that we had against them in the red zone is when we kept them spread out and then went vertical straight at them and got to exercise that, that massive size and talent advantage that we have on the offensive line. Yeah, for sure. Any other final thoughts on this game, QB? No, I think I'm ready to get into some of the other games of the week. 
All right, let's do it. Let's start with some national games. We picked six games. I have one, two, three, four. I have probably seven or eight queued up to talk about a couple that we didn't pick. Uh, and speaking of our picks, uh, neither one of us would have won very much money this week. <laughs> you were uh, four, seven, and one this week in your picks uh, to fall to 13, 12, and one uh, over the last two weeks. And I was even worse. I was three, eight, and one this week. So I am 12, 13, and one over the last two weeks. Um, yeah. Let's, this, yeah was, this is one of those ones where, like, after we recorded, as we approached the games, I was like, why why do I just have a feeling that this is going to be one of those weeks where everyone like loses or or doesn't cover and it's exactly what happened and so um yeah I think I was on the wrong side of a pretty good number of these picks and hopefully nobody actually followed me this week and put any money on these cuz I know I didn't have a particularly lucrative weekend Yeah yeah I I think Wilner went 3 and 3 so he beat us both this week Yeah I'm st- I'm still fading him the rest of the season yeah, I think that's a good bet. Uh, let's start with uh, or Ohio State whipping up on Wisconsin. This is one we both got right. So uh, we both had Ohio State just laying it to the Badgers, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, they basically they covered in the first quarter. Um, this game was never competitive. W- Wisconsin's just complete lack of explosiveness offensively was they, – they didn't stand a chance in this game. No, no, not at all. Um Here's one where we threw it on the list just kind of because of some early season predictions you had made, but it ended up turning to be one hell of a football game and one hell of an upset. Kansas State going on the road to Norman, 12 and a half point underdog, winning outright. Um, and it was what, the Adrian Martinez show. I mean, the guy, the guy was unstoppable. He had 234 yards and a touchdown through the air, ran for 148 and four touchdowns. And quite a redemption game from the Nebraska transfer. Yeah, it's. I don't know if that should have been predictable, but it, this is like the most Kansas State thing ever. They, they lose to a G five, and then the next week they beat Oklahoma. They've done that multiple times in the last decade. Um, it's turning out that Kansas State is kind of Oklahoma's boogeyman, regardless of who the head coach is. Really, really good game from Adrian Martinez. He had a third and sixteen conversion with his legs late in that game to put it on ice and. Uh, really, really explosive runner. I believe he, he, I think it was like a 45 yard run on third and 16. Um, just a huge play. And that was a, that was a fun one to watch. One of the, one of the couple games that I got to see a pretty good chunk of. Yeah, this was, this was a, a really, really good focus. It was a clean game. There was no turnovers by either team in this game. I mean, it's not a game like Oklahoma gave the game away. No, Kansas State won. Like Oklahoma put up 550 yards, 34 points. Uh, Gabriel threw for 330 and four touchdowns. I mean, it was just a really, really explosive, great football game, and, and Kansas State just won. Yeah, Kansas State is still a good football team. It, I had kind of given up on them after the loss to Tulane, but I think uh, maybe that, that preseason prediction of them making it to the Big 12 title game isn't that crazy. Maybe not. Um, let's turn to another team that maybe isn't a good football team, but we thought maybe they were a couple weeks ago. Uh, Texas. Texas apparently is still not back. They fall to 2-2 two and two after losing to the Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, a game that you got right. It was The line was Texas favored by 6.5. You picked Tech. I took Texas, and uh, I think that was ultimately the difference in our picks this week. But 37-34, uh, to 34, Texas Tech uh, pulls out the victory over the Longhorns. 
Yeah, this one, I don't trust Hudson Card. I don't think he's all that good. Until Quinn Ewers comes back, I'm going to be fading Texas. Uh, They lost Xavier Worthy early in this game as well. In Lubbock, tough place to play. Zach Kitley in that Texas Tech offense ran 100 plays to Texas's like 61. So, um Tough to tough to win a football game when when the opposing offense is racking up a hundred plays on you. Uh, o- overall, really really fun game to watch. Always love to see Texas lose. Um, although I do think that when Quinn Ewers comes back, this Texas team immediately becomes very dangerous again because that young offensive line is playing at a super high level. Yeah, I we'll see. I, I think yeah, the injuries are certainly a factor, and I, I think Texas is probably. Certainly better than a 500 football team, but yeah, they're, they're, that one was an interesting one. Uh, another kind of surprise performance. Um, we both missed this one as well. It was Clemson, seven-point favorite at Wake Forest. We both took Clemson, and uh, Clemson did win the game in double overtime, 51-45 in an absolute shootout with the Demon Deacons. Yeah, uh, great. This was another really, really fun game. DJ Ue Angolele played probably the best game he's played since he was a freshman against Notre Dame. Uh, kind of was spraying the ball out. They had, a, they had a true freshman receiver. I believe his name is Aaron Williams, who really just came out and, and played exceptionally for them. Uh, Clemson was down a bunch of guys in the secondary. I think that's probably why this game doesn't get covered because uh, Sam Hartman was, was kind of having his way with a young and inexperienced group of non-starters for Clemson in the secondary. Yeah, 11 touchdown passes combined between DJU and Hartman. Uh, uh, DJ with 371 for five touchdowns, Hartman for 337 for six touchdowns. And there were, again, no turnovers in this game either. So a clean game, really a shootout, back and forth. Clemson uh, pulls off the victory on the road. Stay perfect. Let's flip over to a game that was ended up being a push for us. That was... Um, A&M was a two-point favorite, and they won by two. So we we pushed. We both pushed on this one. I took Arkansas, you took Texas A&M, and, and neither one of us won. So that one was uh, quite a game. Uh, the doink off of not the upright, but literally the top of the upright um, on the a potential game-winning field goal by Arkansas was the difference maker as Texas A&M wins 23-21. to yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because I was on the wrong side of this. It took Texas A&M returning a, a field or a, a punt for a touchdown uh, from pretty from really deep in their own red zone early in the game, and a doinked field goal on a game winner to to beat an Arkansas team that really outplayed them um, in any statistical measure. So uh, sometimes better to be lucky than good. A&M uh, getting the push for me in a game that really should have been a win for Arkansas. Yeah, another game that we both missed on. Uh, we got the result right, but not the cover. Uh, Tennessee hosting Florida. I think I had Tennessee kind of winning this one pretty handily, but the Gators seemed to be the Gators team of week one and, and put up a fight. 38-33 is the final Tennessee wins, um, but it seemed like uh, uh, Richardson was back for Florida. 453 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Probably his most prolific passing performance of his career, although his percentage was poor. He also ran for 62 and two touchdowns, but it wasn't enough as Hendon Hooker continues to be like 
incredible. Uh, what's his touchdown to interception ratio now? <laughs> he threw two more touchdowns. It's like forty six and three or forty six and two or something insane. Yeah, he's he's cooking right now. He's playing with a lot of confidence. Anything but else over, about that game? No, I just I think we were on the right side of that. I think that Tennessee was two touchdowns better than than Florida. And I think if they played that game ten times, I think tennis Tennessee would cover nine of them. But Florida really just played their per like they played as well as they could possibly play in that game. Um and and the result was a, a loss by two scores. So um unfortunately it wasn't the two types of scores we needed to cover this game. Uh but Florida played as well as they possibly could and still lost by two scores. I think that says yeah. a lot about the quality of this Tennessee offense. Yeah, and it was a backdoor cover as well. They it was thirty eight twenty one with uh, about five minutes to go and, and Florida got uh one touchdown there at the five minute mark and then another one like with twenty seconds left in the game. So Similar cover as the uh, Oregon WSU game there at the end. Um, here's two games we didn't pick, but I just wanted to touch on. Uh, we'll start with uh, Missouri and Auburn. <laughs> um, last week, or on our preview pod, I think you called Cal's offense a disgrace to modern football, something along those lines. And for that, I say, I give you the Auburn offense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not great. <laughs> 217 total yards, um, and yet they won, 17 to 14. And and uh, talk about two two teams who neither one wanted to win the game. Uh, you know, Auburn issues what should have been a game winning field goal late in the game to go for it on fourth down doesn't convert. Um, we get to overtime. Hold on, hold on. Don't, don't skip over this. This game okay. shouldn't have gone to overtime. Okay, Missouri go. has the ball first oh, and right. first and goal from the three yard line, and they are like they center it and take knees and kick it on third and three or third and goal from the three instead of trying to just run it in and end the game. And of course, their kicker, who's a preseason All American just misses wide right on a complete chip shot sends them into overtime they they get the stop that they need on auburn and hold them to a field goal no no, no. They, now you're skipping over it so no first way. auburn throws an interception that's called back then auburn misses a field goal but gets an x second try because of an offsides then they make the field goal yeah so missouri has now actively thrown two opportunities to just win this game easily and then they get the ball on offense. They rip off a super explosive run on either the first or second play of their possession. And Nathaniel Pete, former Stanford running back, tries to stick it out with his little baby hands and fumbles it through the end zone like Jalen Red against, uh, against Stanford 2018. Would have been and first they, and goal from the half-yard line. Yeah, just... just oh, but maybe they would have just kneeled and tried for the field goal and missed again. I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah, they would have just set it up so that they can tie the game with a field goal instead of just trying to score and win the game. I, I hate that. I, I think that that was the football, football god. god spoke. Yes, they did. They looked at they looked at um, Drinkwitz, and they said, you don't deserve to win because you're coaching like a coward. And so I think both of these coaches should have been fired on the sidelines, a la Herm Edwards, um, because both these programs deserve more. Absolutely. Um, and now we'll move to Miami, where Middle Tennessee State, 
travels to wherever it is that Miami plays. It's not Coral Gables. It's wherever the Hard Rock Stadium is. Um, in front of an announced crowd of 45,000 that probably looked more like 15 in reality. And just takes it to... Takes it to the Hurricanes. 45-31 victory in a game that really wasn't even that close for most of it. Um, full, 507 yards of offense for Middle Tennessee. Their quarterback, Cunningham, 408 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, just a butt-whipping on Cristobal and company down there as Miami falls to 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, they benched Tyler Van Dyke. Um the 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 one who was promised all offseason uh move on to Jake Garcia he plays a little bit better once they played a little bit better once Garcia went in um but just complete and utter incompetence offensively whether it's drop passes um a strange play calling i mean they were they were getting their run game absolutely stuffed by Middle Tennessee State uh and Middle Tennessee State's offense was just like massive explosive play after massive explosive play i think they only had 10 first downs and like 400 and something yards of offense. Like Middle Tennessee was just ripping off big plays every time they got the ball for touchdowns. Yeah, they had a, uh, yeah, they, they had like, I'm, just, I'm going through the box score here. They had a 69 yard touchdown pass. They had a 98 yard touchdown pass. They had a uh, yeah. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. They get they outgunned Miami five hundred and seven to three sixty seven. Miami only ran for sixty eight yards on the day. Um, I mean, they just got their butts kicked. Yeah, they did. And it's uh, the the thing was is that it was just the way that Middle Tennessee State's interior defensive line just absolutely owned the line of scrimmage. That was impressive because like Miami. I mean, how many how many times did they run the ball? They ran the ball almost 40 times. For how many yards? 68. Yeah. So what, 1.6 yards a carry? Against yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, against a Conference USA opponent at home in front of 10,000 people? That's not going to cut it. So um, I think uh, reality is striking. I've, I saw some some tweets and stuff over the weekend about uh, Miami fans acknowledging that Oregon fans were right on some things, and uh, I think that they're going to continue to to learn that as the season goes on, um, and the game management continues to not be great. Yeah, they're none too happy with Broyles Award winner Josh Gaddis either at the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that one's interesting. Um, we'll see where where Tyler Van Dyke resurfaces, and if he looks like a great quarterback all of a sudden again. We will see. All right, let's move into Pac-12 play. Uh, five more games to talk about there. We we obviously both missed on the Oregon pick. Um, we had Oregon covering. They didn't. Uh, so let's move on uh, to the least interesting games first. Utah uh, up against the reeling, formerly coached by Herm Edwards, Arizona State Sun Devils in Tempe. And this was exactly what we expected. We both got this one right. 34 to 13 Utah in a game that was probably over, I don't know, before it kicked off. Yeah, I'm fading Arizona State the rest of the season. They're going to pack it in. Yeah, I, they, they had 267 yards. Arizona State ran for six yards total in the game. I mean, granted, they didn't, they only had 11 rushing attempts because they were down by 14, like before the game, you know, was before people had even reached their seats. 
But that was a team that really was built on their running attack the last few years, and and they ran for six yards. <laughs> so, yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games running for six yards. No, probably none. Um, let's move on to UCLA, Colorado. Uh, Colorado, of course, falls to zero and four. UCLA moves to four and zero, forty five seventeen. Another game that was over very quickly. Five hundred fifteen yards for the Bruins um, and three hundred nine for Colorado. Um, yeah, 249 yards on the ground for UCLA, Charbonnet, three touchdowns. Did Colorado cover this game? Did they cover? No. Okay. It was a 21 and a half point, uh, spread. So we both got this one right. Okay. I was going to say, so yeah, uh, the, the rule of thumb is that Colorado is not going to win a game, uh, continue to bet on everybody to cover against them, uh, until it gets to like 35 or 40 points. But yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for the players. Uh, I'm a little bit shocked they scored 17 points, but I'm sure a lot of that was in garbage time. Yeah, I think, uh, well, let's look. When was it? Yeah, they got they got uh, the, uh, a touchdown at the end. It was 45 to 10 before they scored late. Um, yeah. yeah. They actually had 10 in the first half, so it was only 21-10 at halftime. Only. Hey, you know what? Keeping it competitive for 30 minutes is a start. There you go. Silver lining. Um, Stanford, the team Oregon will face uh, at home next weekend, went on the road this weekend to Washington, and the Michael Penix Jr. show continues. Uh, 40-22. to 22. Again, the game probably wasn't that close. Stanford, I think, put up a couple of late touchdowns similar to Michigan State last week. Um, Penix, you know, 309, two touchdowns. They're, they got the running game going against Stanford a little bit. Talapapa had 120 yards and a touchdown on the on the ground. And the Stanford Cardinal are just not a very good football team, in my estimation. Yeah, we talked about it in the preseason. They, I think they have some pieces offensively and some some talent at the skill positions. But um, the the fact that you roll into a season with three scholarship defensive linemen is not a good start. And I don't know what their health situation is. I haven't had a chance to dig into them yet. Um, like I will prior to our to our game on Saturday, uh, but yeah, this is just a team that I mean, they. How many times did did uh, Tanner McKee get sacked in this game? I mean, like it had eight, to, yeah, eight, seven eight or eight times sacks. Yeah, that, and he fumbled like three times. I, I mean, it was just it was it was brutal. It was I felt bad watching him just get mauled. Yeah, I mean, you have a you have a statue at quarterback running the long mesh, um, and. As much as I, I, I think that they have some good players uh, on the outside, they aren't particularly explosive, and so I don't think there's a lot of separation. I think it makes it a lot more complicated on these kind of extended uh, mesh reads. Uh, we'll, we'll see as we as we watch some more film on them this week. But um, big win for Washington yeah, moves them to four and zero. Kind of looking forward at their schedule. I think that that UCLA game now um, is is really big for both programs. Yeah, this Friday, 4-0 versus 4-0, uh, down in the Rose Bowl this Friday night. Um, I think it's a game like, I, I know some Washington fans aren't, aren't going to like me saying this, but I think seeing what Michigan State really is, I, I, I don't think Washington's really been tested this year by a, a team that's probably going to make a bowl game. I mean, I, I mean, maybe the, you know, a G5 team, Kent, you know, so Kent, I don't know Kent that well, but maybe they'll make a bowl game. I don't know, but it's different, right, because they're G5. But I don't think Stanford makes a bowl game, and I don't. And Michigan State might. I mean, there, there might be a six and six or seven and five team in the Big Ten. So, but 
But you'd say the same about UCLA. I mean, they haven't really been tested either. So there's two four and teams, and one of them, one of them's gonna, you know, come out of that five and zero, and and will have faced their first real test of the year, I think. And and who knows, who knows how that'll go. I'm I'm really that's probably my favorite game to watch this weekend besides Oregon. I mean, talking about Michigan State, like they still have to play Maryland, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. They also have Wisconsin in a crossover game. So I don't know that Michigan State's going to be doing a whole lot more winning this season. Yeah. Yeah, you called them at the beginning of the year when they were ranked in the top 10 by some people preseason. And you all all summer long, all fall camp long, you were just like, this team, this Michigan State team is not a top 15 team. They're not. They're not a good team. And, boy, you're looking pretty prophetic right now. Yeah, I think, uh, like, Maryland, we were not, we didn't, predict this game or we didn't talk about it but uh maryland acquitted themselves very well against michigan i think that that maryland team is going to be pretty dangerous so uh that only makes the road ahead harder for michigan state absolutely um let's move on to arizona and cal uh uh you know apparently the trick is if you call out some unit in this conference for being an affront to college football, that unit will step up the following week. So Cal put up 615 yards of offense and led by 274 yards rushing on 19 carries by Jaden Ott, the former duck commit, uh, three touchdowns of the longest 73 and, and they beat Arizona 49 31. So I would like to issue a formal apology to Bill Musgrave and and the, the offensive staff at Cal. Um, I, I I'm gonna I try not to be a hot take guy. I was a little hot takey on them last week. I don't know if I, I haven't wa- I didn't watch this game. I didn't see a single snap of this game. I see the box score. I see the way that they ran the ball. I don't know if it's as, if a situation where Arizona can't stop the run at all to save their lives, um, or if Cal just really kind of had some things coming together and and had a moment offensively this weekend where um, they're, they're figuring out who they are. So. We'll see. We'll see as this goes forward. I'll hopefully get a chance to watch the condensed version of this game sometime this week. Yeah, I mean, if you're Oregon, you know, obviously you're not looking ahead past uh, the Stanford game, but you know, you do go down to Arizona in two weeks and seeing that, um, you know, Cal ran for 340 yards. You got to think that offense and that offensive line are going to be looking to send a steady dose of of uh, Bucky and Noah and maybe Byron if he's back and dollars and everyone else, because uh, that 350 yards rushing is, is something. Yeah. That's uh that's a lot of production on the ground. <laughs> and uh, Arizona also lost a turnover battle three to zero. So, you know, they, they actually put up a lot of offense herself, 536 yards on a Cal defense that had been pretty stingy up until this point. So, it's not like Arizona didn't move the ball and didn't put some points on the board. That that three turnovers might have, you know, by might have been might have been that certainly was the difference between what was at least a close game and could have been a, a really close finish in, into what turned out to be an eighteen point victory for the Bears, who moved to three and one. Yeah, last. Win. Go ahead. Yeah, last but not least, uh, USC goes to the Beavers, and we both missed the Arizona game when we because we had Arizona winning outright, and we both missed this game as well. Um, I think we both had USC certainly covering the six and a half point spread, and um, they certainly didn't. Seventeen uh, fourteen. The USC offense was significantly slowed. Three hundred fifty-seven total yards, only one hundred and eighty passing yards for Caleb Williams. Um, you know the Beavers led 
most of the game right down to the last minute or so. And when USC got the late touchdown to go ahead and, and ultimately win, uh, you know, I think other than, you know, I, the big difference again in this game is turnovers. I mean, the Beavers threw four interceptions uh, in a game you lost by three points. That's the I difference. Would say you lose by three points at home with four turnovers to none. Like that's, yeah. that's absurd. Like yeah. Oregon state really should have won this game. They played a hell of a football game. Um, you know, they they really did. defensively. I thought their their game plan was was really strong, and I thought their everyone stepped up. Like their 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 line, their backers. Their I watched pretty much all this game, and and their defensive backs uh, really had Caleb flustered. He was very frustrated. He Caleb Williams was sixteen for thirty six in this game, uh, and he just looked off. Uh, you know, a lot of errant passes. He, he you could tell he was visibly frustrated, but. You know, credit to him because when they needed that final drive, he came through and orchestrated that touchdown drive to win the game. And 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 Chance Nolan had his shot next and threw his fourth interception. I mean, tough, that tough whole, loss for the Beavers. That whole shot that that Williams threw to win the game to Addison was that's a hell of a throw. Um, he really ripped that sucker in there. But yeah, overall, a really inefficient performance for him. Uh, I I think that the the secondary for the Beavers deserves a shout out. I I there was some hype for them this off season. I wasn't a hundred percent sold and bought in on it to this point, and um, they did as well of a job as you could ever ask against a, a USC team that's really deep and talented at receiver, um, and and has such a prolific quarterback. And so moving forward here, like Chance Nolan's got to get the turnovers figured out. Like uh, almost every one of those interceptions was a tipped ball laid over the middle that just really had no business being thrown. Um, and until he gets that cleaned up, they're going to they're gonna struggle offensively a little bit. Um, and I don't know that the run game this year without a B.J. Baylor, I was impressed with the Georgia Tech transfer at running back. Um, but I don't, I don't know that they have like a bell cow that can be the offense without any passing game. And so getting Luke Musgrave back hopefully sooner than later, um, and, and, and figuring out some things in the passing game is going to be important for Oregon State because I actually think they have a defense to be competitive at the top end of the conference this year. And so uh, we'll see if there's a blueprint that was laid out by Oregon State that Utah and others can replicate against USC. Uh, but I would be very surprised if Caleb Williams had that pre- poor of a performance again in conference play this season. Yeah, and the road certainly won't get any easier for the Beavers as they travel to Rice Eccles this weekend to take on Utah. Um, that's going to be going to be a tough one, but especially coming off such a heartbreaking loss. So we'll see how the Beavers do there, but credit to them. I mean, they played a hell of a football game and, and USC stays on beat and stays in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really uh, interested to see how Oregon state bounces back. Cause like you said, an emotional loss at home in a game that they really were in a position to win late. Um, can they can they come back from that, go on the road and maintain and, and play at a high level against a really good Utah team that if they don't play well against, can just smoke them? I think it's time to reveal our updated power rankings for this conference. You ready? Yep, I'm ready whenever you are. All right. I think uh, before we go into this, I'll you know, reiterate, you know, this is a current state of power rankings. It's not a predicted finish. It's based on, you know, kind of trends. Um, I'll just say, I think there's a clear, there's a clear three tiers in this conference right now. I think there's a top four, there's a middle five, and there's a bottom three. 
And I think people can argue about the orders within those tiers, but I think those tiers are pretty solidified in my mind right now. And and that bottom three is pretty far from from number nine. Uh, I think there's a significant gap there. So number 12 is obviously Colorado. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with your entire thesis here on on the three tiers in the Pac-12. Um, I, in my bottom um, tier, I have Colorado at 12. I've got Arizona State at 11 and Stanford at 10. Um, Arizona State just looks like a team that's ready to pack it in and call it, call it a season, uh, which isn't a great place to be when you're only a third of the way through your games. Um, and, and the only reason I have Stanford above them is because uh, Stanford at least seems to want to play the sport. Yeah, I uh, I have Arizona State ten and Stanford eleven, and and I don't know. It, it's they're 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 all three so bad. Um, I just I watched that Stanford UW game, and I'm like, Stanford is just terrible. I I don't know how, but I don't know how I moved a team up from eleven to ten who got beat by thirty points. I don't know, but it's 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 weird. The conference is weird this year. Um, so let's move on to number nine. Who you got? Uh, I have Arizona. I, I think that they'll probably end up being better than this, but just getting handled in the way that they did last week, um, I, I just I couldn't have them any higher than that. Uh, the, giving up that kind of rushing performance against a Cal offensive line that's been terribly average for a while now has me a little concerned about their ability to stop the run against really anybody in this conference. Yeah, I also have Arizona at nine. I was, you know, they dropped a, a spot in both of our rankings from last week. We both had them at eight. Um, you know, obviously the the loser of that Cal Arizona game was probably going to be in this nine spot, and, and Arizona lost that game pretty convincingly. So, so there they are. I, you know, they're a young football team. They're, you know, they're trying to be on the rise. I mean, they're certainly going to eclipse that two and a half uh, win total. Have to wait another week at least. Um, but that's, this is what happens to teams who are trying to learn how to win, who, who haven't, you know, been winning teams for a long time, right? Like you go on a road and you just get smacked around. We've seen that at Oregon, you know, a few years back, 2017, 2018, and Arizona's going through it. And this is just part of what you have to do to build that culture and build that program. Yeah, I agree. All right. I, I got Cal at number eight. Yep. Same here. Yeah. Kind of the uh, same I mean, story. I just don't. I don't think we know how good of a win that Arizona win is yet, and I want to. I want to get another week of sample before I feel comfortable bumping them too much higher. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, yeah. Uh, seven. I uh, go ahead. I've got UCLA here. Me too. Um, uh, they they took care of business against Colorado. I wasn't really pleased with the way they performed in the non-conference slate, and I think at this point. Um, Washington State and Oregon State's uh, losses are still better than the close game that UCLA had at home against South Alabama. I, I totally agree. I've got UCLA in the seven spot as well. Uh, I said this last week about Oregon State and Washington State. You know, I think some some fans were unhappy that they weren't ranked. And I said, well, they're, they're playing, you know, uh, USC and Oregon respectively this week. So if they win, they're going to be ranked. And if they lose, they would have gotten knocked right back out of the rankings. And th- that's what I say about UCLA this week. This is their opportunity. They're hosting the number 15 Washington Huskies at home. If they win, they're going to be ranked. If they lose, yeah. they won't. If they win, they, they're going to climb our power rankings pretty aggressively. Yeah. And if they lose, then they'll probably be exactly where they're at right now. <laughs> yeah, or or fall behind Cal, depending on what happens in other games and what that, what that game in, in the Rose Bowl looks like this weekend. I've got Washington State at six. 
I, I do as well. I, I think that Oregon State's uh, loss was a little bit more impressive than Washington State's. I also think that the overall quality of, of Oregon State's wins against at Fresno um, uh, is probably on par, at least with with their with Washington State's win at, at uh, uh, Camp Randall and Madison. Yeah, I, to me, I just think if, if we look at this middle tier and I look at the five teams that we have in it, Oregon State has been the most impressive of those five, in my opinion. So I keep them at that at that level. Um, but again, this could change quickly too. Yeah. I just, if I, if I trusted Cam Ward a little bit more, I I think I would have Washington State above, but, um, I think that the holistic offensive approach for Oregon State is more dependable than Cam Ward being a hundred percent of the offense for Wazoo. All right. Number four, I've got Washington at four still, um, excited to see kind of what they look like against, Probably, I mean, not probably, by far the most competent team they've played to date this weekend against UCLA. Uh, Michael Penix continuing to ball out. Uh, I want to see them stop the run against Zach Charbonnet in that UCLA front. Yeah, I agree. I've still got Washington at four. Um, again, this is a they have an opportunity to move up maybe depending on what happens in that UW game and, and, and the games by the teams ahead of them. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't really think they've been tested, especially on the ground yet. I, I, I think... Stanford got them a little bit early. They had some, some runs that were gashing them and late. They had some runs that were gashing them. Uh, their backup running back, uh, you know, EJ Smith was out that game. Stanford's backup running back um, ran for a hundred yards. So on 20 carries, so good average. Uh, I, their defense is, is interesting. Like I think they're, as long as Penix is balling with his receivers, the way they are, they're going to put up points. I just don't know if I can trust Washington's defense. I'm predicting that game in, in, in LA to be somewhat of a shootout and you know, I, I think both teams are going to score a lot of points. Yeah. Until Washington gets more healthy at corner, I think they're going to struggle a little bit on the outside and uh, the, their best chance is that the, the pass rush with Trice and, and ZTF can, can cause problems. And uh, I think that's a matchup that's winnable for them as we kind of approach the next week. Who you got at number three? Uh, I've got Oregon at three. Still it just Utah took care of business at Arizona state. Um, and Oregon just kind of tripped over themselves a little bit against Washington State. They found a way to win, um, but I don't think that Oregon looked more impressive than than Utah did this weekend. Yeah, I have Oregon at three as well. I had them at two last week. I moved them down to three. It's probably more of a reflection of I, I probably overrated, overranked them last week in retrospect. Uh, I don't think they necessarily did anything to lose a spot. I just I think three is the right spot for them, given you know collectively. The Utah USC Oregon, I think Oregon's in the three spot. Yeah, yeah, and I got uh, USC at one. I know you do as well. I don't. Go, go. I flipped it. I got you. I got Utah at one and USC at two. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I can. I can understand that. I. I just think that going into Reeser, even though it's uh, only about sixty percent capacity right now, um, is it's that's a tough place to win for USC historically. Uh, and, and I think that the Beavers are a much, much better football team than Arizona State. So I'm just going to give credit to USC for winning a clunker on the road and and, and uh, see where they land this week. Yeah, I, I that argument makes sense. I just think Utah has been pretty dominating since their Florida loss and granted not against great competition. And I, I think USC was tested for the first time and now I have a lot more questions. <laughs> about them uh so 
again, this power rankings week to week. We'll see what happens next week. USC could be back on top. Absolutely. I think that'll wrap it, QB. You got anything else for today? No, I think that's it. I uh, just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in this week. Um, uh, preview show going to be coming out Thursday morning. Uh, looking forward to recruit uh, to kind of getting into the Stanford film study this week and, and talking about that game on Wednesday night with you. And uh, hope everybody has a, a great and prosperous week. And we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Thanks all.